crossroads this morning. That was, that was awesome. That was awesome. I appreciate his encouragement, too, from God's Word uh, to us today. Hey, if you've got your Bible, open it up to Nehemiah. Surprise. Nehemiah chapter 10. We're going to get finished. We've got just a few chapters left. Uh, I think three more after this one, and we will wrap up. So Nehemiah chapter 10. Uh, I have been uh, learning a lot this week while you're turning there in your living room or your home with your family. I have been learning a lot this week from fellow pastors and ministers around the country about what we're facing as a nation and, uh, and as a church. And uh, I got to tell you, maybe a week ago I was a little discouraged and wondering, but after the last, uh, after the last few days, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged, and I'm going to share some of that as we go through this message today, because there's a lot of it that we will read in, in Nehemiah. Uh, and so, uh, again, turn in there to Nehemiah chapter 10. I do want to let you know this week, if you were able to get by the church office, um, we have got a devotional book that a lot of you and our church family have put together, which is fantastic. And we'll be able to study that together. So though we're separate, we'll actually be able to go through these, I think there's 30 devotions in here that we'll be able to go through as a church family. So if you're around this week, uh, call the church office, come by, and you can pick up one of those and uh, with a donation that will support our weekday uh, ministry here at the church. So excited about that. Heath talked to us last week from Nehemiah chapter 9, and uh, he talked about what happens when we hear the word, which was a fantastic message. I really got a lot of that with confession and repentance and preparing our hearts as God prepares us as a people to worship him. Let's not forget what Nehemiah is about. Nehemiah is not about building a wall, but it's about preparing a people who will worship him in this fortified city. And as I think about what's going on in our city, in Simpsonville, and Greer, and Malden, and Moore, and wherever you live, God, I believe, is in the process even this week, maybe even using, I don't know that he caused it, but maybe even using a pandemic to help his church learn that it's all about him. I had a pastor friend this week who said, the church has left the building. Hallelujah. Because the church is us. The church is us. It's not a building. It's people. And we're going to discover as we read Nehemiah chapter 10 that Nehemiah knew that as a visionary. He, he, he knew that. He knew it was not about a building. And so the wall was a part of it, but it's ultimately about the people of God giving him praise. So let's look at it together. Nehemiah chapter 10 uh, and actually, let's back up, forgive me, let's back up into chapter 9, just a couple of verses, because we need to read those last few verses that Heath shared with us last week to kind of set up where we, want, where we want to go today. And the message is really about being dangerously different. How do we do that? And why should we do that? Well, the latter part of Nehemiah chapter 9 finished this way in verse, verse 36. It says, Behold, we are slaves today. And as to the land which thou didst give us to our fathers to eat of its fruit and of its bounty, behold, we were slaves on it. And its abundant produce is for the kings whom thou hast set over us, key phrase here, because of our sins. They also rule over our bodies and over our cattle as they please. So we're in great distress. And because of that great distress, Nehemiah says this, Now because of all this... We're going to make an agreement in writing, and on the sealed document will be the names of our leaders, our Levites, and our priests. So the first point right out of the gate this morning is simply this. If we're going to be dangerously different, we've got to remember the dangerous situation that we were in. i got to be honest, I was thinking last week as Heath was preaching, sometimes we, we don't really value confession because maybe we forget 
that we're sinners. You know, the longer I'm a follower of Jesus, uh, I forget what it was like when I first came to Christ. I forget what Christ did for me when he came into my heart and when he changed me. And I was even reading again this week. Uh, you don't have to flip there, but I was reading in the book of Ephesians to kind of refresh my own memory. And this is who I was before I came to know Jesus. Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you formerly walked According to the, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that was now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging desires of our flesh and of the mind, and, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Well, that's, that's filthy. That's disgusting. It's sinful. That's, that's who I was before Christ. Now, I still sin now. But I was without Jesus. Before Christ, I was a sinner. And so were the people that Nehemiah was with. They didn't have a relationship with God. They were exiled. They were sinners. They're going to this city that's going to be fortified to worship God. And so as they get ready to sign this covenant together, they reflect on the fact that what God had brought them through, their history and the people that they were, their sinful state that they had been a part of. It was a desperate situation. I asked myself the question this week. I wrote this down. Have I forgotten my sin? Have I forgotten how desperate I am in need of Jesus? I got to be honest, one of the positive things, if I can say it this way, about COVID-19, doesn't that just sound so sophisticated? COVID-19, official name, this coronavirus, one of the maybe positive things about it is that the name of Jesus is being proclaimed. More streaming video than ever before talking about Jesus, more messages, more sermons. That's great. That's awesome. And it's giving attention to the fact that he's our redeemer and we're in a desperate situation. But, you know, as desperate is this, as this is, I, I want to say to you as a church family today that, that this is really not our, our crisis. It's really not our crisis. If, if we think that our crisis is going to be over when we're able to get back together and gather together as a body of Christ, we are sorely mistaken. That's not the crisis. The crisis is the world needs Jesus. That's the crisis. The world is lost without Jesus. And maybe the fact that this virus is going on right now and it's got us kind of paralyzed to some extent and trapped maybe to some extent in our homes, maybe God is using this as a reminder that we are a sinful people and we are in desperate need of him knowing that they were sinful. These people only had one response. Nehemiah and the people only had one response to God, knowing they're sinful people, and that was, hey, we've got to sign this covenant. We've got to come in agreement with God. We've got to do what God tells us to do because he's our Lord. What an incredible response to this desperate situation. And, it, and the Bible tells us, Nehemiah, it says there, the very first verse of chapter 10, that on the sealed document were the names of Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hekeliah, and Zedekiah, and of a lot of other names. I want you to read those there. For sake of time this morning, we're not going to read all these names, but all these names of these leaders, these officials, these Levites, they signed this covenant and they placed their seal upon it, much like if you're a child of God, Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit has placed that seal upon you. Seals were important. They were significant back in biblical times. They're important today. The king would... would put wax over a letter after he folded it and put his wax over there and take his ring and stamp into that wax as his seal to say, if this is broken and when it gets to its destination, if that's opened up, 
you're going to have to deal with the king. Whoever's seal is on that. And in the same way, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But Nehemiah here and the leaders, they write this, they write this document out and they seal this document. And it tells me a lot of things about that when you read these verses that the leaders led the way. That's, that's why they were called leaders, because they led the way. And we live in a country right now, I'll be honest, where that should be part of our prayer. I'm so glad that Kayla said that in her prayer. We need to pray for our leaders. These are turbulent times, places that we've never been before, uncharted territory, and they need our prayer. And Nehemiah and these leaders, they stepped up, they led the way. They were going to agree to the same things that the people were agreeing to. doesn't happen too much in our world. Sometimes we have leaders signing things that we have to agree to, but they don't have to agree to. That wasn't the case in Nehemiah's day. The leaders led the way. And then the Bible says in those verses that they collectively signed. All those names that you read in verses 2 through 27, collectively they signed this document as a group. And when you think about the covenant that they're signing, the word covenant actually, actually means when, when the Bible says make a covenant, it literally means that they cut a covenant. Cut, C-U-T, they cut a covenant. Now, why does it mean cut a covenant? Because in the Old Testament, when a covenant was made, it always involved sacrifice of something. Something had to be cut. Something had to bleed. It was usually an animal sacrifice. Somebody had to be cut. And it had to cost someone something. And I think about this covenant that they signed. We're going to discover in just a few minutes that the covenant that they signed actually cost them something. Boy, there's a lot of covenants today. Whew. Don't cost a whole lot. We call them covenants, and we sign them, and we break them. And I could give you a laundry list, but I, you don't need me to do that. You know very well. You can look at culture and see some of the agreements people make. Whether it's in relationships or marriage or business, doesn't matter. We sign covenants and we break covenants, but these leaders put their name on the line. Here's my first question for you and me today. Am, am I willing? Are you willing? To put your name on the line for the things that God has called us to do. We're in a desperate situation. But these people signed the covenant. The other thing I notice here as we get into verses 28, the second point I see here. Let's read it together. It says, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated. Oh, I love this. All those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land. To the law of God, their wives or sons or daughters, and all those who had knowledge and understanding. These are the people who signed the covenant. So the second thing we need to discover is to be dangerously different. We've got to be separated. We've got to be separated. Now, now we're physically separated. Crossroads family, we're physically separated. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about not just separating yourselves physically, but spiritually setting yourselves apart. We just sung holy, holy, holy. Holy literally means to be set apart. And as God's people, he wants us to be set apart, much like he wanted Nehemiah to be set apart. I remember a story of a dear friend of mine named Foster Christie who uh, traveled around, did a lot of evangelism and speaking and still does some of that. He played football for, he would say, the greatest university in the world, Auburn University. We would dispute that a little bit. But he played football and he went on to get into ministry. And he said, uh, when he was in seminary, he was in an upper floor apartment. And he said they had developed a relationship with a young girl who lived underneath them with her mom, single mom. 
This young girl was a cheerleader, and he said one night he, he got this knock on his door, and he and his wife opened the door, and it was Sarah, and he said, Sarah, how are you? And she kind of came and said, Foster, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I've got a decision to make. And he said, sweetheart, what is it? And she said, well, I'm on the cheerleading squad, and we have rehearsal, we had rehearsal today, and the game is this weekend, and there's this one dance move that we're going to do at halftime during the show. And she said, there's this suggestive move in there that I just feel provocative. I just, I just don't really feel like it honors God, and I, I'm, a, I'm a 15-year-old young girl, and I, I want to honor the Lord, and I'm, I'm fearful. What am I going to do? And like a good leader, doesn't always give the answer. He says, well, I'll pray with you that God will tell you what to do. So he prayed with her and she left. He said the weekend came and went. Comes back on Sunday. Knock on the door. He opens the door. She comes in. She's beaming. She's smiling. He said, Foster, guess what? Guess what? She, he said, what, honey? What happened? What happened? She said, well, I got to the, to the cheerleading thing and halftime came at the game and we went out to do our routine and I talked to my cheerleading sponsor and she said, we did the first routine and that one was okay. The second one was where I had the issue. And I told my sponsor, and she said, well, if you have an issue, don't worry. You just sit on the sidelines. And he said, Jack, she brought me a, a videotape of the, of, the, of the game and the halftime show. And he said, I popped it in the VCR. That's old school for you young people. Video cassette recorder is what that means. Popped it in the VCR. And he said, we're watching on the big screen in my home. And he said, in the upper right-hand corner, he said, I see her sitting on the sidelines while this routine is going on. And as soon as the routine was over, she hopped up. She ran over with her cheerleading team and they went and sat down while the game continued. He said, Jack, that's being set apart. That's set apart. Man, that's hard. That's hard as a teenager. Can I tell you, that's hard as an adult. It was hard in Nehemiah's day, but these people said, we're going to set ourselves apart. And we're apart right now, Crossroads family. It's kind of difficult. We feel like, well, this is a dis desperate situation. The church's building is closed and we're, we're not able to meet together. But again, I would say to you, that's not the crisis. That's not the crisis. The crisis really is going to be, honestly, it's going to be in a few weeks. When people maybe who have lost their jobs and kids who aren't back in school, who normally get their meals at school because their family can't afford meals, are hungry. Here's my question. Are we poised and ready to take hold of the opportunities that are coming? Because I believe we are going to be living in a time in the next few weeks in an unprecedented time to be the people that God has called us to be and the people that we say that we are already an opportunity to live this out. What we don't really need, as much as I love to preach, as much as I love to hear my friend Heath preach, what we really don't need right now are more sermon series teaching you and me how we can survive in this world. What we need is more of us out thriving as disciples of Jesus in our homes and in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. That's what we need. The world needs Jesus. That's the crisis. How are we going to respond? I was reading this week, A.W. Tozer said it this way. Modern religion focuses upon filling churches with people. The true gospel emphasizes filling people with God. Wow. I'm grateful for technology. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that we can live stream into your home. I'm so grateful for that. But if we simply are doing that until we're able to meet together and we think this is going to fill the void. Oh, we're great. We've got technology to fill the void. We are sorely mistaken about what God's called us to do. It's at this point in time that God wants to use us in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Maybe even for us personally to have a time of refreshment to know who we are in Jesus. 
And so when I read this and it says to be separated, I'm like, wow, God, what are you trying to say to us today? Separated. Because you can be separated and still be impactful. And I think that's what God wants to do with us as a church family. Separated all over Greenville County and maybe Spartanburg County, but still be impacting our communities with the gospel of Christ. When I read scripture, sometimes I'm, I'm weird. I ask questions. And so it says be separated. And oftentimes the Bible says say be separated from things. And I usually go, well, if I'm going to be separated from things, then what, am I, what do I get to do? If I'm separated from something, what have I separated to? And, and I'm so thankful that the book of Nehemiah answers that because in verse 28, it tells us we were separated from the people of the land. Those that were evil and not followers of God, we separated from those people to the law of God. To our wives, our sons, and our daughters who had knowledge and understanding. And, verse 29 says, and we not only separated from and to, but we joined with their kinsmen, their nobles. We connected with those people who were of like mind and like heart. Who the Bible says in verse 29, took on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given through Moses, God's servant. And to keep and to observe all the commandments of God, our Lord, and his ordinances and statutes. What did they want to do? They wanted to be distinctly different. They wanted to live dangerously, but they had to be separated to do that. And that's how they said, okay, God, we're going to observe all your commandments, all your ordinances, all your statutes. You know, I was thinking this week, too, about our mission here at Crossroads, our vision and how we measure what we do. And I was thinking about that word roads this week as we're all separated. Are we reaching out? Are we putting others first? Are we accountable to each other? Are disciples being made? Are we sending one another out? And I thought, oh my gosh. God has set the stage for us to do all those things right now. Right now, God has set the stage for us to do all those things. Maybe even, I might go so far to say, he's forced us to do it because the church has left the building the church has left the building this is i'm getting excited oh i'm getting excited this is awesome so how do we do it how do we do it how does that change us what does signing this covenant mean well we've got to be servants and he tells us how to do that as we wrap up very quickly he says in verse 30 here's how you do it you will not give your daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters to our sons. As for the peoples of the land who bring wares or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we won't buy from them on the Sabbath or a holy day. We'll forego the crops the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. We also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. And he goes on to talk about how that works. In wood, and how that works is they give their first fruits. Verse 37, we'll bring the first of our dough. Dough as in bread dough, but also I think dough as in money dough, right? Our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the new wine and the oil to the priest to the chambers of the house of God. Three things I see very quickly if we're going to, what this signing this covenant means, what it means for you and I as believers in 2020. He gives us some things to think about. The first one he talks about is relationships. He talks about their wives and their daughters. He talks about purity. Friends, we live in an age where that's not a common word. It's not a word a lot of people like to talk about when they talk about purity. But that's basically what he's talking about in there, about the way you treat one another physically in your relationships, 
both in husband and wife and wives and husbands and sons and daughters relationships. How are we doing in our relationships with one another? Then he talks about business. Interesting. I've had people tell me before the Bible never even talks about business. What Bible are you reading? The Bible talks a lot about business all throughout the Old and New Testament. And he gives them some instructions here for their business, how they're to operate their business, not to buy on the Sabbath. You know, it could be really easy to make more money if you're open seven days a week, but there are some national chains, I won't bring attention to them, you know who they are, in our own world today that are closed and make more money in six days than those that are open seven days. How does that work? God. God. They get dedicated their business to the Lord. Cutting corners won't work for us as children of God if we cheat or we or don't take care of our families and treat our families with respect or our marriages with respect. But then he mentions the last thing in these verses as we close. He mentions supporting God's work. And he gives him specific instructions. Hey, by signing this covenant, by signing this agreement, these are the things you'll do and the things that you won't do. And not the Christianity is a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But in this day, when their relationship was with God, he was helping give them some guidelines that would help them be the kind of people they needed to be. And we all need those guidelines. That's why God's word is here for us today in 2020. And so he talks about supporting the work of God, giving those first fruits. So as I wrap up, I would just ask you to think about this. He's, he's saying serve. Serve in your relationships. Serve in your business. Serve your God. Serve in your church. Are you ready? You ready to sign that covenant? Maybe you're watching today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You landed on the right video. Because that's the best thing that could happen to you and me. Best thing that has happened to me is a, is a life with Jesus Christ. Not religion, but a relationship with Jesus. And yes, I follow his guidebook, which is the Bible, because that shows me some things that if I'll do these, I'll have an abundant life. And if I'll avoid other things, I won't have a life of destruction. But it's much more than do's and don'ts. It's a relationship with Christ. And if you know Jesus, you've already signed that covenant agreement. So I would ask you today, are you, are you abiding by that agreement that you've signed? You say, well, I never really signed a physical agreement. Well, you signed it spiritual agreement. And I've shared this Crossroads family with you before, but there are times in my life where my agreement that I've wanted to sign with God, I've already had all filled out. God, I'll do this, and I won't do that. I won't go here to serve you, but I'll go there. And God, you look over that, and if it's all right with you, you get with my secretary, and you guys work it out, and then, and then I'll sign it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. We've got to find a blank piece of paper, hand it to God and say, you fill everything in, and I've already signed the bottom of it. And that's what these people are willing to do. If you want to live dangerously different, again, you've got to recognize we're in a desperate situation. I was a sinner. I came to Christ. I'm still a sinner. You go, what's the difference? The blood of Jesus Christ that forgives me, that he gave on the cross. That gives me forgiveness of sins. And as I get to know him better, hopefully my sinful nature gets less and less and my godly self becomes more and more. If I want to live a life that's dangerously different, I've got to separate myself. There's some things that happen in the world. People may say, hey, come be a part of this. I just have to say, no, I can't do it. I've got to stand alone like that young 
cheerleader and say, you know what, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to stand for God and be holy. The last thing I've got to do if I'm going to be dangerously different is I've got to serve. Crossroads family, wow. We are poised, I believe, like never before in the history of the world to explode in our communities and serve like crazy. Are you ready? Am I ready? As much, as much as I love corporate worship, and I can't wait till it happens. I can't shirk my responsibilities. As much as I love to, to preach, and I know Heath does, and to share God's word, and Joey for us to worship together, and Kayla and the kids, and all, I, as much as I love that, the end game is Christ in me, the hope of glory, and living for him in my homes and in my community. So my prayer for you this week is that you'll do that. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? While you're bowed right there in your living room, I want to thank you again for tuning in today. I know it's easy when we're not together and you could be doing a million other things. And so my question for you this morning is before we kind of sign off here together is to ask the Lord this question. Lord, how am, I, how am I doing in being dangerously different? And if you're watching today, maybe this video has been shared, it's stumbled across your feed, or you found it online and you're going, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you, dear friend, that is the most important and the best decision you would ever make. And I pray you'll go to the website, get connected with somebody here. It's one of our team because we'd love to share with you how you can know Jesus. Maybe the person who shared the video and it landed on your page. Maybe you need to reach out to them and say, hey, you shared this video. T tell me about this Jesus because he will change your life forever. Father, I thank you for the time we've been able to look at your word today. And I thank you again for the story of Nehemiah for his example to us. His world was in chaos and confusion. He left his surroundings to go to a place to follow the instructions of God to be about putting together a city that would worship you. And he could have looked at all that chaos and confusion and said, nope, not me. But he saw an opportunity to share God with people who needed to know him and to rally those together who were a little afraid or maybe fearful to take a stand for him. So thank you for his example. Now, Father, as we get into our normal work week, for some of us, for some of us, we're going, to be, we're going to be at home. Would you help us to dive deep into the truth of your word this week and ask you, God, how do we live this out? How can we serve? Maybe it's a neighbor who just needs a phone call. Maybe it's someone we need to get online with and have a conversation with. I don't know what it is, God, but I pray that you would guide us. Thank you again. For the gift of technology, we do thank you for that. But Lord, help us this week to use it to help us thrive as disciples of you where we live. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.